Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Andrew Barron to do our weekly game-by-game NFL DFS preview. Colin has left us. He's on a beach drinking Mai Tais, smoking cigars right now before he goes back to be uh, a full corporate stooge. And uh, last week sucks. Uh, The Thanksgiving games were not good. The Sunday games were not good. And I'm feeling optimistic about what we have uh, in front of us. Andrew, I, I think this actually looks like a good slate. Yeah, I think it should be too. I mean, is it, would it surprise you when I tell you that last week was my best week of the season uh, because the proper chaos happened and I tend to do all right in that situation. So um, yeah, I think it'll be cool. Like some, some really good contrarian spots. Hit. I think that, you know, we'll miss Colin. I'm terribly sorry to see him gone, but I'll be doing most of these. And he and I tend to approach the game fairly similarly. So hopefully I can, I will just try to follow in his footsteps as best I can and give some of those, some of those good insights. All right. Well, we can, we can start off with you telling everyone to, to fade uh, an obvious chalk spot, which I'm actually totally in agreement with. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a team total of 31 against the Atlanta Falcons with a team total of 19 or 20 Tom Brady getting into loads of our optimals Fournette hitting optimals, but, but actually we even have Fournette as a leverage play because there are so many running backs this week, but we have Fournette as clearly the second best, second best running back play. And then huge. Uh, I, I expect huge ownership on Chris Godwin and uh, fairly high ownership on Rob Gronkowski. Evans, kind of our, our leverage play here, but just a, a very easy spot for, for Brady as a passer. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Fournette, like you said, is going to be just a monster play again. He kind of is every time when Tampa Bay becomes chalk. He was one of the top leverage plays last week and scored 40 points, which was definitely what uh, catapulted me the most. I'm interested where you say this is like an obvious leverage spot because macro-wise, I my impression at first was that maybe that would be the Rams more because of the OBJ thing coming back. Like I don't have any tout that yet. It's Wednesday, but I guarantee like everyone is going to be talking about how, uh, you know, Odell Beckham is back and all of that. So I, even in the early run, I have the Rams being a little more popular and the, and the Bucks are relatively solid plays still for net positive leverage. Obviously Evans is the leverage and Godwin is going overplayed because the people love Godwin, but um, I don't know. Do you do you have a strong take on what people are going to be more into, like uh, for the casuals, as far as Bucks versus Rams? You know, I feel like it will the the Rams will get slightly, or the the Buccaneers will get slightly more because there is no Cooper Cup piece. You know, Cooper Cup is nine thousand. It's going to be very hard on DraftKings right. to play Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor together. The casual folks definitely want to play Jonathan Taylor against the Houston Texans, so it's a little bit easier. Uh, though I guess you could do Stafford, Jonathan Taylor, Van Jefferson, Odo Beckham fairly easily. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my my and and people just love Godwin though. Even if even if they the do. ownership on the Buccaneers doesn't get out of control, the ownership on Chris Godwin in single entry and three max will be eighteen to twenty five percent. 
Yeah, either way, I think the Bucs are an amazing spot, and I'm actually pretty in on them. I would like to play a Buck in almost every lineup. I'd like that not to be Godwin as much as possible, but, I, you know, they have the highest total on the slate. The stack is a great play, and then Fournette right now is looking like super, super good leverage because his price has been coming up a little bit, which is going to stop it from kind of getting out of control even after the huge game. A lot of these other dudes that, um, you know, that have – been thought of as in the same bucket as Fournette all year, haven't had their prices increase. So I think they'll be more popular. And right now, Fournette does really look like um, one of the better uh, leverage plays on the board. Yep. Um, and then in terms of bringbacks on Atlanta, it's it's Patterson and just Patterson. I mean, I, I'm not really rushing to play $5,300 Russell Gage, even as a bringback. I, I would rather run no bringback than play Russell Gage. Yeah, I don't really like any of the Atlanta side either. I mean, I get it, but they're probably going to get a little bit overowned relative to their optimal just for the bring back part of it. So, um, yeah, there, there's some plays. They're fine. If they get in my lineups, cool, but I'm definitely not going to uh, force a, a run back in Tampa Bay stacks. Yep. Uh, so our next game, very similar, huge spread here between the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think with the highest projection of any running back that I have seen yet this season, I, I think even higher than Christian McCaffrey sitting at about 25 and a half DraftKings mm -hmm. points. Uh, and, and, you know, you might think, okay, well, he's going to be super owned. Like he's, he's, it's against the Texans. He had, uh, he had only four carries in the first half against the Texans last time and then ended up really getting there. I do think there are so many value plays at running back this week, Jamal Williams, Boston Scott, Eli Mitchell, James Conner. I do actually think that um, even at about 20% or so, Jonathan Taylor is a totally fine play in every format. I don't think that ownership is out of control at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to end up being a pretty neutral play. Uh, you know, he and Fournette are neck and neck for top optimal probability so far. There's obviously a lot of guys you can save with that are just a little bit below them. And I think mostly I'm going to end up doing more sort of balance build running back stuff so that I can spend up uh, for stacks more. But, uh, you know, Fournette, uh, or sorry, Taylor could kill you. But yeah, I think it's just overall pretty neutral play. I'm probably going to match the field around 20%. And he's not going to make or break my week. Yeah. Uh, they do have the third highest total. Um, and the passing attack is okay leverage. Jack Doyle. We've had a, someone in the Sims really get a lot of love and he really smashed last week. His usage has been good. It's more like 15% target share the last few weeks. And um, I think he's fine. Pittman is probably not going to get super popular after a few high profile busts. So uh, if Taylor starts to steam, I'm going to be more and more into the Indianapolis passing attack. What about, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Jack Doyle and, and Pittman Jr., who uh, had a bunch of air yards last week, just didn't quite get there. And, and his price at 5700 is is totally affordable. I like him fine as a one-off. I'm probably not that into Wentz stacks. I mean, maybe. The, the problem is, is, is uh, honestly, much like Atlanta, I just have, have no interest in playing, you know, uh, no interest in playing Brandon Cooks no interest in playing yeah. any of these dusty $2,500 tight ends. Like it, th these guys are just pretty far off the board of like, you know, really good play. I mean, Pittman is fine, but Pittman and Taylor are really the only plays that interest that uh, interest me from this game. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean, you can dig in Doyle is pretty good. Pascal, whatever. He's so cheap and he's really fast and just kind of has to catch the long one. We'll see. I'm not rushing to play it, but Houston actually almost the exact same argument with Atlanta. 
None of them are great leverage plays. They'll probably get played a little more than they should as bringbacks, you know, with Taylor or with a Wentz stack. So nothing great there. It was funny last week, like the Cooks thing, I thought we were all dead because he was like 40% owned in Yahoo and catches that long bomb. But then he didn't even really end up being uh, too big of a hurdle. So he'll be popular. Cooks is always popular. Not a great play to me, but I'll, you know, I'll have some, but I, I'm going to be under the field almost certainly on Brandon Cooks. God, there are, I, I guess I did not realize how many games were, were huge spreads here, but we have the same thing again in Minnesota on the road, touchdown favorite against the Lions. Uh, the, the interesting thing to me for this game is that in a normal week, Alexander Madison would have only been priced to like 6,500 or whatever, yeah. but they, they ratcheted him all the way up. Our early ownership projections have him at 12%, but we still have more injury stuff to shake out. And I, I bet he will be single digits by the time our, our final run of ownership is done on Sunday morning. I am looking to play Madison in tournaments. I, I honestly, and I, the, the people are going to be like, you're full of shit. I think he's got the same ceiling in this game as Jonathan Taylor does in that Texans game. Maybe he doesn't have the raw, like insane touchdown upside that Taylor does because Taylor leads the NFL and touches inside the five. Though I bet if you combine Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison touches inside the 10, I bet if you combined those, I bet it's pretty close. I bet those guys have a, I, I, I mean, I know they both have a bunch of high value touches. The question is what kind of role do they give Kenna and Wangu who had not played running back at all until last game. Uh, now he's probably a little bit more talented than Abdullah was, but he he's got two offensive snaps on the year. Um, so Madison could just be looking at, and cause that, you know, they don't have Abdullah anymore. They'll play CJ ham on third downs a little bit, but I, I do think Madison can just smash here. Yeah, I think that's right. Playing one of the worst defenses in football. I'm going to play this by the ownership. I think, you know, like if Madison does sink, which I think is a real possibility because yeah, it does stand out that, wow, he's a lot more expensive than all of these other guys in similar situations. I love this though. Like last week, the Minnesota San Francisco game was my favorite. And that one really ended up uh, working out quite well, just from a leverage. I just, my computer told me, Hey, this is one we should play. Um, and especially with the passing attack. And I'm, I feel similarly about the passing attack this week. I got them with the second highest optimal probability. And they're certainly not getting played like that. Thielen and Jefferson, both uh, top, top leverage options at wide receiver. The, all things are right in the world. Thielen took back the uh, touchdown lead from Jefferson in our uh, rest of the season bet last week. So, uh, yeah, I like th this stack, I think, is, is one of the better ones. It's not getting talked up a lot. They're expensive. I don't like to play Thielen and Jefferson together, really. It's a little bit like Lockett and Metcalf. No, but, but Kirk's, good, but Kirk's single stacks, I think, are fine this week. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, yeah, I came in 11th in the Yahoo thing with a, it was, it was a double stack. It had Conklin, but uh, yeah, yes. Thielen and Kirk. Yeah, that's, that's the thing to do with, with Kirk is, is use Conklin. Um, so I guess it's sort of interesting. Jamal Williams is priced at only 5,400. We have seen Jamar Jefferson and uh, Godwin Igwabuke come in and, and siphon some touches off when Swift has been banged up uh, or when Jamal Williams is banged up. I, I learned something doing research for projections this week. Uh, Godwin Igwebuke did not play running back until he got to the NFL. He was a safety in college and converted to running back. Uh, it must have just been this year. So that, that is my way of saying he's probably not particularly good at, on passing downs. I would bet he's probably not a very good pass blocker. And I, I honestly assume Jamal Williams could get uh, – I, I, I could be low. Uh, I have him for 72% of the rushes and only 12% of the team's targets. I think honestly, both of those could be low. I, I could see, I could see him 
I get he could get 30 touches in this game against Minnesota. I really do. I think that's in the range. Yeah, I think that's totally possible. I do kind of feel like he's the ugly chalk right now. And he's a little bit game script proof because of all the passing work. So it's trouble if you're shorting him. Like it's not necessarily if they get blown out, he's dead. But I mean, this is a guy who's like six, seven hundred bucks less than all of these like home favorites with totals that are seven, eight points higher. So I'm not going to, I'm not getting into him if he's 20, 25% owned. I really like the Minnesota side too. So like, I, I don't know. I, he, he, I, I think he he's kind of bad there, shot. We're just so spoiled for choice that I don't think he will get out of control, but, but he has the most fragility in the sense of like, they could score three points in this game. Totally. Yeah. They have a 19 and a half total. So that's like the biggest concern to me is like, if I'm dealing with a running back, that's chalk on a team with that bad of a total when there are other really good options, like uh, count me out. Yeah. So, and I also do think that, um, I also do think that uh, Josh Reynolds seems fine at 3,400, like that's 90% snap share. Like he's going to be in there. Uh, the efficiency is not going to be great, but he, he does seem fine. Sure. Yeah. You got a yeah. player too. There's a couple other like almost stone men guys that I think are in play this week that we'll get to when we get to their games. Yeah. And apparently Miles Sanders was able to get in a limited practice today. I, I just saw. So as we transition to our next game, the Philadelphia Eagles at the New York jets, that is pretty meaningful because right now I have been removed from the projections and that makes Boston Scott look like a mega value, but do think we'll probably get the Miles Sanders Boston Scott backfield, which I, I mean, I, I guess the, the thing with the Eagles is Hertz is just always a leverage play because he doesn't get owned as much as he could because he's got that insane um, rushing upside. But yep. again, I mean, these are they with with Sanders active. I'm just not really interested in much of anybody in this game. It hurts hurts Devonta or hurts Goddard a little bit. Yeah, I really like those. Those both stand out as super high leverage spots. They were last week too. You know, it doesn't, obviously not everything goes right all of the time. And like Hertz was my highest exposure quarterback when that went really poorly. Cause I think the thing with a lot of these running quarterbacks too, is that their optimal probabilities are really high. So it's like, yeah, they have the best chance to do it when they do it, but also like Hertz is totally capable of laying up the six point egg. So people that scares people enough that I don't think he will end up super popular. Plus he's hard to stack. Plus he's kind of expensive. This is, I mean, all four games we've covered right now are like, you know, 27 to 19 spreads. This is another one like that, but uh, I definitely like Hertz with, um, with uh, Smith or Hertz with Goddard, or even I've been getting a little into this because it's a nice correlation to stack running back with its own DST. I rarely play a quarterback with their own DST but I've been talking myself into this a little bit where Hertz is like almost the running back. If he scores three running touchdowns and they just beat the crap out of him, I think the defense is pretty live in a way that it's usually not with the bigger throwing quarterbacks because you need them to be just like launching the whole game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. Uh, we also have some more interesting usage with the Jets for the first time because Corey Davis yeah. is out again and they, they finally – just were like, you know what, Elijah Moore, turns out that guy's actually good um, and 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 did not rely on Jameson Crowder the way, I, you know, look, that's on me. I kind of just gave Jameson Crowder his normal role last week in the projections. That was a mistake. Uh, Elijah Moore, uh, you know, we, we don't want to make too many assumptions on a Jets wide receiver, but the Eagles defense uh, is not a very efficient versus the pass. And Elijah Moore is $5,500 on DraftKings. He is hitting a bunch of the raw optimals. Yeah, 35% market share of targets last week, ran 35 routes. 
Uh, didn't get a ton of air yards, but that's actually okay against the Eagles. That's fine. They, yeah. Yeah. They're the team that like, they allow you to get that stuff underneath and then you got to do your own work, which generally is not ideal, but what they're focused on taking away is the deep ball. So if you're going to do it, yeah, I think Elijah Moore makes, uh, makes for a fine play this week. Yeah. Um, and then I, Akeel and Cole, actually, I just saw got placed on the reserve COVID list. So I apparently need to go in and remove Keel and Cole from the projections, which will probably on, honestly boost Elijah Moore. Um, a little bit, but yeah, I, 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 and if I did do hurts Devonta, I'd feel fine using Eli Moore as a bring back, but I don't think mm-hmm. he's like a lock. Um, like it's, it, it's yeah. fine either way. Yeah, I think that's right. Cause he's really the only super attractive one. And I don't want to force it in everything when you're talking about running it back for a team with an 18, 19 total. So uh, yeah. some Elijah Moore for sure, but not, a, not a jam. All right, my favorite game to stack this week is the Chargers Bengals, and that's a combination of you know the skill of the quarterbacks, assumption on the market's part that Joe Mixon is going to get the same number of raw touches that he got last week. Like Joe Burrow's, you know, Joe Burrow came out and was like, "Oh yeah, you know, we're we're a running team," and and all of that, you know, all that stuff. But we have Keenan at uh, I think still a pretty equitable price. We have a big discount on Mike Williams, and and he always pops on the ceiling level. Jamar Chase has really stumbled in terms of efficiency over the last like month of the season, but uh, you know I think he's he's still Jamar Chase. T. Higgins finally has a big game last week. Like you, you just have it there. You play one of the quarterbacks and you play Keenan and Mike, or you play the other quarterback and you play T. and Chase with one of the bringbacks. And I I just think that is a, a nut strategy this week. I'm really into it. Yeah, I think that's fine. I think you just in, in a vacuum, this probably is the best game. I think this probably is the highest total game um, because it's, you know, a three point spread or whatever. They're both uh, projected to do quite well. Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon for, you know, like a, it's been quite a few weeks now. They're both just top leverage options again. So, um, you know, they don't usually they won't usually get it done together. I played I had a ton of both of them last week, but that's OK. That's how you want that to work out. Right. You want one of them. So like Mixon had the total smash that killed chase, but like the opposite could totally be true this week again. So I'd like to get quite a bit over on both of them because the field is not really playing them the way that they should. The whole Bengals passing attack though. I'm with you there. Uh, the chargers will get their stuff. You know, Keenan Allen's always popular. Um, but yeah, I like the Bengals a lot. This I week. mean, Burrow, Burrow, Chase, T, Key, uh, Big Mike. I mean, that is just that, yeah. that is just chef's kiss for, for tournaments. I think, I think that'll probably be my main team that I run in, the spy and in the red zone on, on DraftKings. I I'm yeah. pretty, pretty into that. I um, mean, Herbert also positive leverage right now. So, Her, yeah. Herbert's also been running too. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like not, not like running, but just adding a couple scrambles here and there, which I guess we kind of always assumed he would do as a, a second running back has never emerged this year. It's like, I feel like every single week, the chargers are always in the late game and every single week you or Ben messages me a different running back is inactive. Like, Oh, Justin Jackson's inactive. Okay. I got to go change that. Oh, Kelly's inactive this week. Got to move it. Round trees. Like, so they just, they don't, they don't have confidence in um, any of those guys really. So yeah. uh, that is, that is my game this week for sure. Yeah. I like that. Herbert is kind of in that middle ground, like the real statues run six, 8% market share. And then the like Lamar's and Hertz will run 30, 35. He's in that 15 to 20%. Like he definitely runs more than what Tom Brady or whatever, you know, it's a, it's a real asset for him. So. Yeah, I like that one too. What about the uh, Arizona game? I feel like James Conner is looking like he might get a little. We, we have we have him as the the fourth highest projected running back, which shocked me. But I mean, all the inputs are not even that extreme. Sixty percent of the rushes, twelve percent mm-hmm. of the targets. It's just that 
he he accounts for such a huge portion of their touch their just their team touchdowns as a whole throughout the course of the season. Yeah, it's true. Um, and he's looking, you know, I mean, fairly appropriate. We'll see what happens. But the only 5,900 tag on DraftKings is making it real appealing to get him. Uh, I guess the one thing that could be a question is if Kyler comes back this week, does Kyler start running like he used to? Probably not because you'd assume he's a little bit hurt and doesn't want to go out there. But that's typically where the Arizona running backs haven't been as good is because Tyler will take a lot of that rushing work from them. But that hasn't happened this year in general, really, other than the first couple of weeks. And, then and I don't expect it to happen. Cold. I don't expect it to happen in his first game back after five weeks yeah. of not playing with, with injury either. You know, you're, you're the problem with Kyler and uh, double stacking him is you're, you, the, the Hopkins price feels like a discount, but it's not really based on what his right. role has been. And then Kirk and Green are overpriced for their roles. And so is Rondale. Uh, and, and Ertz, Ertz, I guess, I mean, at 5,400, he's overpriced too. So it's just, it's like, what do you do? And do you even really want to double stack him because his ceiling games probably coincide with it, with the rushing. So it's just, they, they just feel like a, I feel like it should be a team I'm interested in stacking, but it feels like a nightmare team to actually do the stacks with. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that is right. And I guess on the, on the other side with Chicago, I am more interested, I feel like in some of these Chicago bringbacks that I am on all these other teams. Cause this is, again, this is another game that is a 27 to 19 <laughs> implied total. Um, Chicago does not have much, but we have Andy Dalton playing and they, we need to, I think we need to look into the team baselines a little bit. Cause we still have them a little bit fields um, and they're throwing a lot more. They're throwing like 60% of the time. They were only throwing about half the time with fields in there. Darnell Mooney has just been an absolute air yards machine. Dalton will sling it. And then Demir Bird, I don't think is going to get played at all. And he is 3,100. He played a ton of snaps last week, uh, way more than Marquise Goodwin, who we're kind of projecting as the number two receiver. I think we should probably switch that a little bit, but decent amount of targets, decent air yards, 3,100. He is a deep threat. Dalton will sling it. Um, if you're, I think it's a nice little mini correlation with Connor. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there with full on Kyler stacks this week, but Bird is certainly a piece that I think is going to be a true less than one percenter that has it. You know, I mean, is he going to score twenty five? No, but can he get eight? Well, well, one hundred, sure. I mean, if Godwin misses, I have Godwin in the projections right now, but he left their last game banged up, and mm-hmm. he might not. He might not play, which would leave you know Jakeem Grant and uh, you know whoever they call up off their their practice squad or whatever, which would I would assume would mean a, a big snap count there. And and look, I mean, Komet as a bring back. We haven't yeah. talked about Foster Moreau yet, but basically any tight end you like this week, they're a leverage play. You, you can call them a leverage play because Foster Moreau is going to, especially like in MME, it won't be as bad, but in single entry and three max, Foster Moreau might touch like 50% owned. So yeah, if you're playing anything above like a hundred dollars, like it's yeah, whatever it is it's scary short, but like shorting Foster Moreau is just like absolutely free expected value. Like he's going to be to stu- stupidly owned in anything higher stakes. So yeah. With you there, right. commit's been getting the usage. So the New York Giants at the Miami Dolphins. I still have Daniel Jones in our projections because I think the team wants him to play. Uh, I, I don't Barkley at 6,300. It just feels it's like, what's the point? The the guy I would be interested in would be Tony at, at 5,400 because he just looks crazy with the ball in his hands. And it does feel like I, honestly, it feels like the reason Jason Garrett got fired is because he couldn't figure out how to get Tony the ball. A little bit more. Uh, I'm not going to fall for the Evan Ingram 
fake value. And uh, on Miami, I would kind of mention Miles Gaskin, but they they yeah. already gave lip service to giving Philip Lindsay a larger role, and he looked pretty decent last week. And I think that Gaskin continually being inefficient despite the touchdowns, like I think they're looking for something to happen at running back. So I I would I would be concerned about Gaskin. And then um, if Devontae Parker comes back this week, he is thirty nine hundred, which is sort of interesting. And Waddle at 6,400. I mean, the dude just gets 12 targets yeah, every single awesome. week. Yeah. Yeah, he's been really, really good. Um, I almost, in a in a dynasty league, my, I have a really, really good team this year, and it's very expensive to keep certain people, and you can only keep so many. So I almost, like a week and a half ago, pulled off a, I, my Waddle for Christian McCaffrey trade that I'm very glad that I didn't do just because the guy who has McCaffrey, his team sucks, and he's not going to be able to keep him. So uh, Waddle's like a fantastic uh, – I mean, he really is like becoming that good. It's wild. Gaskin is – I'm glad you brought that up because I think we may have to go in and, and deal with some stuff. I feel like other players – Places have probably already given more of the share to Lindsay because Gaskin is popping as quite positive leverage for us. It's like sub 5% P own. This is what yeah, I'm still giving him. I, well, I, I'm giving him a huge uh, market share. They're rushing touchdowns. Like I'm giving him uh, 50% bad, of their, I'm giving him but 50%, yeah. but no other running back more than 9%. So that's probably wrong. I probably need to go and adjust that. Yeah, we'll see. It's just, we have two with us with a, with a, he's the sort of second option at the goal line uh, in our stuff. Like he has a pretty high rushing TD compared to his rushing overall. And Gaskin is actually less. So um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one with him because the, the contextual factors are all there, right? They're like a home favorite against a crappy defense. He's cheap and uh, you know, he's not going to get played. So it seems good, but Gaskin has uh, sort of confounded me this year in general. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see how that one plays out. All right, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Rams will either be the first or the second most popular team this week. We got Stafford with a huge projection. Uh, Daryl Henderson Jr., 80% of the rushes last week. Uh, got him at, I only have him at 62% and 8.5% in terms of uh, distributions, but just because it's such a nut matchup, we have him as a, as a huge value. Have Cup as a value, have Van Jefferson as a value, and have Odell as a value because... Bennett Skoronek, that's his name. Sure. He he's injured apparently. Um, now maybe he'll be back this week. But last week, Cut played 100% of the snaps. Van Jefferson played 98, and Odell played 98% of the snaps. Um, uh, uh, Daryl Henderson had a like one of his best games of the of the year in terms of like market share, the team's touches. So they have a huge team total, and the ball only goes to four players and kind of a fifth if you count. Tyler Higby. So it's just like these guys just look like the nuttest of nut plays, basically. Yeah, they really do. Um, I think, like I was alluding to earlier, the Beckham thing, I just, you know, like this, it's such an easy thing to talk about as a tell, right? It's like this huge he's guy. Such a, you know, he's such a jam. I, I'm going to jam the shit at Odell. See, my, I'm going to lead, I, I mean, I'm going to lead the other way because I wouldn't be surprised to see him steam to over 20% PO. And it's just like last week was the week. Last week, I kind of did jam him. This week, like, I don't know. He was 2% owned last week and really, really separated you. And I just, I don't know. Yeah, like, was he was awesome last week. He was what we were expecting Robert Woods to regress to, right? You know, the guy who's like, gets almost as much workload as Cooper Cup. Like, it shouldn't have been that big of a difference. Um, it never normalized with Woods. It did with Beckham, but it was only one week. That makes me nervous if he becomes like the most popular wide receiver play to jam. But yeah, it, they have a 30 total. 
I think the place I'm most interested just from an expected value point, and obviously like it's not like you're filling your lineup with eight leverage plays. You just got to do some here and there. I think the the best expected value play in this game is Daryl Henderson because I do expect the Rams to get pretty. Oh, you don't think, you don't think it's you don't think it's Van? I guess so. It's just Van is going to bring along Stafford and or Cup or Beckham. You know, like yeah, I guess he could take from that, but that means the passing game has a good game probably. Van is I like as the my second guy instead of Beckham or instead of Cup. You know, like but. Uh, I don't not just as a one-off really I think it's more Henderson and you're like okay they, they kill them still they score a ton of points still but they do it all on the ground and the touchdowns are all rushing touchdowns um, that's just kind of the, the way I tend to think about it and the way that looks pretty good to me uh, from uh, from what the math says right now the bringbacks are pretty pretty rough honestly they're, they're no, dude, it's, being... it's it's O'Shaughnessy it's O'Shaughnessy is the leverage play uh he's both the, he's both yes. the bringback and a leverage play off of Moreau because he's just going to play the same role that Dan Arnold played I mean he started the year with an 86 percent snap share and seven targets he's just Dan Arnold for 2600 yeah I think he's the guy you are playing it's just like Visca and Marvin Jones are looking at pretty ugly, you know, like triple therapy owned to optimal 20, probability. 20, 22, uh, 22% uh, target share for Visca last week. Yeah, great. With a 6A dot. You know, I mean, I don't know. It just, it makes me nervous because I do think like Stafford, Cup, Odell, Visca, it's like that might be like literally 8 to 10% of the million maker lineups have, having that four-person combo. And that's really... I don't know. That's, that's, that's really difficult for me. Yeah. It's a, it. that's a lot of combos to try and beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure is. Um, all right. The, I was doing the swole cast earlier and Pete mentioned this game, the Washington football team at the Las Vegas Raiders as, as one of the potential interesting stacks The the problem I have with that is Washington football team just wants to play this horrible ball control style of offense. Like they just want to run the clock to zero. They want to take 10 minutes of drive. Like, uh, it, and, and Gibson is a total smash. Cause he got that, you know, yep. he got like 29 touches or whatever on Monday night. And they, so they, his pricing was kind of messed up and his role had already been increasing before that. And McKissick says he's going to be fine, but there's a chance that McKissick doesn't play here. So Gibson might just be like a, an Uber smash. Yeah. I like Gibson a lot. He was definitely the one who stood out to me most uh, at first glance. McLaurin's fine. I mean, Moreau is just so obvious. Like he's going to get, he's going to be stupid popular. So I certainly won't play him at the, you know, I'll play, I will have some, but I'm going to play less than 30%. So if he's 30% home, like I will be hoping that it does not go well for him. I do like the Washington side. I just think the Vegas side is getting a little is like looks hyped already just from projection. And then when people start talking about it, I think it will get talked up just because it's such a tight target tree, right? They're down who, you know, the, the two guys that were going first in fantasy from the passing attack are not there uh, this week. So yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of uh, extra workload to go around. So I think it will end up being with Moreau and Renfro are just going to get played a lot. So I like the I, Gibson and the Washington side are certainly more my speed. Yeah, I'm not really interested in, in Renfro at all because I think there are too many mid like five thousand dollar to six thousand dollar wide receivers that are single digit owned. Whereas I think Renfro is just going to get like super steamed. So I just am not. I'm not into it at all. Yeah, I think that's probably right. The one thing is that if it, it's Renfro and Odell, like we, I mean, we talked about Eli Moore. I think we both like him better. There was another guy at like fifty four hundred that we just talked about that was pretty low owned, but 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I did, yeah, Renfro and Odell are going to be the two most popular sort of mid-range wide receivers, I think. So I, I don't love the Vegas side just from a pure, like, is this as likely to go off as it's uh, Peon suggests? Like, pro- it's, it's probably not. It's probably going to get overplayed. Yeah. Um, all right. San Francisco, Seattle. Again, fairly interesting here as we deal with San Francisco without their best player in Debo Samuel. And we have, you know, Brandon Ayuk at 5,600. Eli Mitchell, huge game last week. Also five targets last week. Uh, we, we think Jamichael uh, Hasty is going to be out again. Kittle, uh, I think he's just massive, massive leverage. Great matchup. The Seahawks defense is terrible. Everyone's going to be playing Foster Moreau. We should see his usage go up. And then Juwan Jennings, I mean, could have had, should have had two touchdowns last week, 3,100. Uh, and he'd kind of flipped Trent Sherfield even before this. So I, I think there are plenty of plays here on San Francisco. Yeah, I think so, too. There were last week. Uh, San Francisco has been pretty strong leverage for a while now. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I'd be like, you know, jamming 10, 12 percent Jimmy Garoppolo and company, uh, you know, in the preseason. But, yeah, they've been great leverage for a few weeks in a row. It's a little tougher without Debo. Like, is there a systemic risk there a little bit? Maybe. But Jennings no, is I think because nice I, I think Ayuk is so good that I actually don't know if they're going to drop off that much. And it just means they're going to give Kittle the ball more. Yeah, we'll see. And Kittle is so good. That's the thing is like, he's a much better real life player than fantasy player. That's the frustrating thing with him fantasy wise is because he's just such a nasty blocker. They keep him back to block, but he's a great blocker and he really helps out our boy, Eli Mitchell, who's like the third highest optimal probability running back. And he's going to get played some this week, but didn't get a price bump. He's just, you know, he's the smash. I think he's a cash play. I think I really like Eli Mitchell right now. He's going, it looks like he's not getting played quite as much as he should be. We'll see how much people want to no, talk it feels, about him this It week, feels but. like whatever running back you like, like if you like them more than the market, that running back is going to feel like he's not being played enough just because there are so many running back plays. Yeah, I think that's right. But uh, according to you know the math that we have, he is definitely a higher optimal probability than his peon right now. It's just, we'll see how much people talk about him. I think I mean, generally you, you could even, the narrative you could even on- say- you could even say I'm being a coward on Eli Mitchell's stuff because I'm only giving him 62% of the rushes. Uh, I'm giving Jeff Wilson Jr. 20%. I'm giving check some. I'm giving Ayuk some. I'm giving Garoppolo 11%, which is higher than his average, just thinking that they might do some more stuff around the goal line. So uh, I, I think Eli Mitchell could just be an insane jam. I'm with you. Yeah, I think he's he might be my favorite running. Him and I guess Fournette, I think, uh, would be my number one. But like Eli is right up there for my favorite running back play of the week as yeah. of Wednesday. It'll change by Sunday, probably. But he looks really, really good early. So let's get there. Yeah. Um, all right. We got on the Seattle side. I have nothing interesting to say other than that. I will probably toss out one DK Metcalf dart. Probably just probably just one. Yeah, the prices keep going down. They're they not getting suck. played, but they just, they just yeah. suck. Do you have any? This is I'm asking more for a hand in the dirt kind of take. Like, is this Russ being rusty and bad on his way, working his way back, or is he just, or are they just a different operational team now? Do you think? Do you have any? Well, he's he's hurt, and it feels like there's some weird war going on between him and Pete Carroll and they want to run the ball and they want to play so slow. So like, I mean, the, the bills are going to run like 300 more plays this year than the Seahawks or something. Even if Russ was healthy, that would be true. So if you, you, you decrease the efficiency, you keep the play total really low. It's just like, there's nothing these teams can do for fantasy. It's, it's just awful. 
Yeah, I think that's right. The funny thing here, though, is because, like, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like, they don't play, you know, they're playing really slow. It's really difficult. We think of them as a bad matchup. You know, Seattle is allowing the most plays per game to opponents by, like, five. 73.4 plays per game on the year. Las Vegas is second at 68.1. So even though they're playing slow, they're letting up a ton, a ton of plays. So it's it's interesting how that works. But yeah, it's been real. I mean, it's really frustrating. Seattle used to always be one of the premier stacks. Metcalf and Lockett were just like really great plays. They had duds all the time, but like their monster games were insane. Were insane we monster games. Haven't seen yeah. that this year. So I really like the San Francisco side. And like, since it's so hard to do the bring back and, I don't know. I, 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 it's just Eli Mitchell is my favorite play in this game. And just given all those contextual factors. So yeah, Seattle's really tough. All right. Uh, last game, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. I mean, I would love for Lamar and Marquise Brown to break the slate, but uh, I mean, doesn't it just feel like this is just going to be disgusting? Like just the, the most disgusting uh, Devonta Freeman, Najee Harris, I mean, total of 44. I mean, Lamar is a good leverage play, and so is Marquise mm-hmm. Brown, and so is Mark Andrews, because no one wants to play those guys this week. But, um, yeah, it's just this. It's just a, a horrible, horrible game environment. Yeah, they're strong. They're more like normal strong leverage, if that makes sense this week. Most weeks, it's just like, oh, my God, Baltimore is, like, by far the highest, like, you know, the what you get when you win kind of situation. They are the best leverage. that, And because Lamar will be, like, 20 – Generally, Lamar is in a tier one by himself, maybe with Josh Allen sometimes, but it's it's those two. And it's not quite like that this week. Pittsburgh's a tough defense. Their optimal probabilities are lower than they normally are. People are playing them about what they normally do, which is not much and not enough, but um, they are a positive leverage stack. I'm definitely going to be over the field on them, but a lot of weeks I'm just jamming like 30 plus percent Lamar Jackson stacks. And that that's I'm not going to do that this week. Yeah. Uh, and Deontay Johnson, look, I mean, the guy just has like a 39 million percent target share right now, uh, even with Claypool back and, and Fryermuth looks like he might not be able to play in this game, which might, which might leave us with Zach Gentry uh, with like a hundred percent snap share for the Steelers. Not that, not that you need another cheap tight end to play, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, I mean, Deontay, Deontay is a play like I'm down, yeah. I'm down, I'm down to, uh, to play Deontay at uh, 11% ownership projection. Pretty, pretty easy. I think. Yeah. Can you get down with Najee at 5% PM? No, uh-uh. not, 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 not interested. Cause he's not even getting the check downs anymore. Yeah. Like he's getting some, but he's not getting nine a game. He's getting like four a game. Yeah. Uh, and, and you don't even expect them to have a ton of touchdown. Like, if Najee yeah. gets 110 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions for 30 yards, that's like uh, 29 points, I think, mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know if that does it with the strength of like I think I think because Jonathan Taylor feels like on like feels like a favorite to break the slate. Then you you feel pretty confident that one of the 5K running backs will get 25. Um, and then you're saying like I don't know can should Najee be owned more than four or should you play Najee over Fournette? And I think no, uh, even, even Madison, right. I'd, I'd much rather yeah. play Madison. I think so too. I think those are the, the straight up and it's tempting just because he's such a low ownership. And like, I guess it's slightly positive leverage, but I'm with you. I think it's like him winning, winning the slate is going to be like a war of attrition. It's going to be tons of dudes failing because he's not scoring 30. So if I'm spending up that much at running back, it's like, I, yeah, I'd rather do Madison or I'd rather like 
just come up with a couple extra hundred bucks to play Mixon or Eckler. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, all right, there we go. I think, I think that's the slate. You got anything else? No, that'll do it, man. Good first run. We'll get more into it on the premium pod on Friday. Really after we've had a few days to digest all this info and have more and uh, have more things to, to parse through, but no, it's good. Good first look to me. Yep. All right. There we go. Everyone. We will be back. Uh, the premium pod daily roto.com on Friday. See you then. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer ba-da-ba-ba-ba